Welcome back to episode 8 of the Sources Say Podcast, a brand new addition to the growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very excited to get back for another week of absolute craziness. Last week we broke down the the recent Fair Pay to Play Act in California. We previewed Devin Askew's official visit to Kentucky. Talked about Isaiah Jackson cutting his final list at three. Uh, Just a whole lot of good stuff there. If you missed that episode, you can find it by searching for Sources Say or the Sources Say podcast on iTunes or Spotify, any of the major podcasting apps. We got it for you. Uh, And while you're at it, please hit that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Please and thank you. Makes us look really good. Uh, We we would definitely appreciate that. Um, And right off the bat, we're going to break a little bit of personal news for the show um, just just right off, right from the get go. Uh, well, first of all, first off, Travis Graff of Cats Illustrated is back with me. Uh, first off, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Probably looking forward to the show more than any show we've ever done. We've got a lot of stuff that we could talk about. A tonight. lot of stuff to talk about. It was such a hectic week. Um, but the biggest news with this show is that we are happy to announce that moving forward, David Sisk of Cats Illustrated and the Rivals.com network will be joining us as a permanent co-host. David, we are absolutely thrilled to have you, man. How are you doing? Doing good. You guys don't know what you're in for, man. It's... uh... It's. Uh, I hope I don't ruin business. <laughs> no, if it's anything like your writing, we'll be quite all right. Dave. Ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, b- both Dave, Travis and David do a phenomenal job uh, with with Kentucky specific <clears throat> work. Uh, we got incredible feedback on the show last week when we had David on. Um, you know, to kind of address the, the elephant in the in the room right off the bat, we had some logistical things that just couldn't work out with Jake Weingarten. Um, you know, he's in school. We're trying to juggle work work schedules. Travis just started a new job. Um, just the way we were scheduling just wasn't working out. Um, it just it just definitely made sense to move forward with with this decision. Um, you know, we we wish him the best. Maybe in the, in a few weeks uh, we can have him on as as a guest or something like that. Um, just uh, we we definitely wish him the best. But we're definitely excited about the show moving forward, and we hope our listeners enjoy it as well. Um, and, and, and I promise I won't say anything about Hong Kong protesters. <laughs> if you don't, I will. <laughs> <laughs> very good, very good. Um, uh, so let's jump. Let's just jump right into it. Uh, we just an absolute crazy week of news and developments regarding major Kentucky targets. So much to get into. Uh, we're gonna, we're going to have a lot of fun with this. The first thing that we want to uh, dive into mostly is the fact that Devin Askew, 2021 five-star guard, just came off of his official visit to Kentucky this past weekend. Um, guys, just kind of, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of start with start here and say uh, immediate thoughts right after right after the visit, David. If you, David, if you want to start, I, I tell you what, if you don't mind, uh, um, I, I want Travis to go first because I really feel like you two had such a beat. On uh, what went, what went on, what you've heard behind the scenes. You guys have worked hard. I don't want to tread on any of that. So, if that's okay, oh, that works. shut up, David. You're <laughs> just fine. <clears throat> but I mean, if you insist, the uh, I do, uh, I do. Yeah, he's not lying. Me and Jack combined had some boots on the ground near the situation this weekend, and we both heard really positive things. I come away with the thought that Askew is a silent commit. Um, I think they're wanting to monitor 
Kay Cunningham situation closely moving forward, but I think if he didn't give him a if he did not give the coaches a silent commit, I think that he gave them the I guess you call it a head nod, and like they know he's he's in the bag if they want him for 2020 or 2021. Now, what Kay Cunningham does will determine if he's in 2020 or 2021. He went into the uh, weekend. I think he was ready to commit. Um, somebody that I know is close to the program said that they didn't actually think he was going to commit coming into the weekend. They thought that he was going to push it back a little bit or just wait and see, maybe take a Memphis visit. And then in the night, Jack told me some things, and then that kind of changed my mind. Yeah, so Memphis Devin took that Memphis unofficial for their midnight madness. Things went well. He sat next to Jalen Green. Uh, they both po- posted um, stuff on on their their respective Instagram stories, and um, you know they they were both pretty outspoken about how much they enjoyed themselves. Uh, there was a there was there was a lot of buzz and kind of still is that Penny Hardaway was pushing really really hard for Askew to take an official, um, you know, kind of think, think things over. Don't make a, a, a rash decision off this, this Kentucky visit. Um, I, I think Penny kind of understood that uh, Kentucky was going to go in for the kill this weekend, and he wanted to just make sure that he could, he could get that last-ditch effort on, a, you know, on, the, on the school's dime. Um, I believe that he was pushing for uh, an unofficial visit in the coming weeks because he's set to make a decision in late October. Um, Still don't know if that's going to happen. I, I I highly doubt it at this point, considering where, how well things went with with his Kentucky visit. But um, like Travis hinted at, hey, real quick before you get off the Memphis part, somebody told me somebody close to a Memphis recruit that's a Memphis lock for next year, not this year, for 2021, told me that that said recruit said quote, um, Devin Askew's lock for Kentucky. So. Yeah, yeah, I I think. Penny Hardaway understood that this Kentucky buzz is serious. Uh, you know, we've we've mentioned on the show multiple times that Louisville has done a phenomenal job with him, and and they have always felt really strongly about their chances. And um, you know that even going into the Kentucky visit, there there were a lot of Louisville Louisville guys that said, you know, we still feel that this is gonna this is gonna um, can, that Louisville would would have a ch- chance all the way through the end um, that. That they had done enough to win out in the end, um, but on Kentucky's end, man, they they did such a phenomenal job of making uh, m- making Devin's whole family feel so home, so at home, so welcome. Uh, things they went to Keeneland on Saturday during the day. Uh, he posted a bunch of videos on his his Instagram story about that, um, and then you know later later on in the night they they went to Jeff Ruby's. Things supposedly went really well there. All in all, they, they watched a ton of film, kind of wanted the, – the Kentucky coaching staff wanted to show him how he would be implemented in this in this system and, and how he would work. Um, they, they really, really love what he brings to the table. They want him in the class of 2020, even if they don't get Cade, Cade Cunningham. Well, I mean, I guess even more so if they don't get Cade Cunningham. But I'm told that even if they do uh, stumble onto getting a, a Cade Cunningham commit, that they are still going to push – for uh, an, an announcement f- from Devin for uh, for the class of 2020 as well. Um, th- things, like I said, things went extremely well. Kentucky sh- fans should feel absolutely thrilled about how things went because it, it it is nothing but good news. Now, David, 
after you know with all that being said what is your stance on things from as kind of a you know an outsider's perspective what do you uh, how do you think this thing is going to unfold and uh you know just kind of give us give us your gut with that a couple of weeks back i asked um cory who was um who do you think the lead uh, candidate is for kentucky and a point guard in the 2020 class and this was right after he had had the uh, interview with Kristen Peake and said he was staying 2021. And uh, Corey told me, he said, uh, Devin Askew. And um, kind of caught me off guard. And and he just told me, he says, look, don't. Uh, I'm just telling you, I can't go into detail. But uh, I, I just trust me on this one. And Corey's not one to really uh, – He's kind of conservative with things, kind of like I am. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so, you know, a lot of people were saying Louisville also. Everybody everybody out there, as far as national analysts goes, was saying Louisville. So, like I said, he he really kind of knew what was going on there. And I've I've just kind of trusted him on that one ever since. And I went with that guy. I've spoken quite a bit on this. And – Going in uh, over the weekend when you guys said, uh, hey, there may be, I know we texted back and forth, and you guys were hearing that maybe there was a uh, there was a commitment mm-hmm. uh, and, or silent commitment. And I asked him about it, and he said, well, it really wouldn't surprise me from, uh, you know, talking to him last week. So I really think that he uh, expected uh, something to happen over the weekend. Uh, well, I, I take that back. He wouldn't be surprised if something happened over the weekend. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And uh, but I, like I said, he, he's he's con- had a Kentucky lean all along. Um, so it just kind of appears that yeah, they they are in a very good shape for him. And uh, it seems like as as more and more uh, as this has gone on, it's just kind of indicated what we thought that, you know, even despite all the Louisville buzz, the heavy push for Memphis, all that, you know, that the thought process last week uh, before he went to Memphis, before any of that, that, you know, Kentucky was going to be the major player here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I know – I believe Devin Askew's father, um, who has been really, you know, great, great guy, uh, but he he's a little hit and miss whenever it comes to getting, you know, he he confirmed that the official visit visit was happening, but you know, trying to reach out to him since then to figure out how the visit went and all that stuff, it's a little spotty, but that's okay. Um, I believe he did have a conversation though with Adam Zagoria either today or yesterday. Um, not sure which one, but he did say that um, in terms of a public announcement what you know no matter what happened behind the scenes or if if this silent commit commitment did happen uh, said that he is still going planning on waiting until after USA basketball this weekend uh, before sitting down and, and kind of coming up with a plan for an official announcement he has said in the past that he would love to announce in front of his modern day teammates and classmates and friends and family out out in California um you know he's he's a guy that he's you know very popular kid in school love you know people people like him out there so he just kind of wants to give them that opportunity to see him and kind of let him take that next step another interesting aspect of that interview with with Zagoria is that the for the very first time I believe uh that he at least addressed that a reclassification was still on the table. I, I can't remember if Zagoria directly said 
that his father said that a reclassification was still in the, still up in the air, but uh, or if he said you know sources tell me that a reclass is up in the air, but that kind of confirmed you know he was the most recent guy to talk to him since the visit, and if he still thinks that a reclassification is on the table and, and still a major option, uh, he he said it's gonna that that decision is gonna come in the spring. Said that he. Or not, not the spring, but but after high school basketball season, so late late winter probably. Okay, after Peach Jam. Well, that that's that's a possibility as well. But see, my thing is, you know, he already made it to the Peach Jam finals this past year. I mean, you know, he, I, and if I were a kid of his caliber, wouldn't you know? I feel like I would more strongly want to be a, a McDonald's All American and, and a Jordan Brand Classic All American versus just going going after another peach jam title what do you guys think about i was going to ask you all that i haven't personally been around peach jam yet or the eybl anything AAU related like that i was going to ask what the appeal is of you all have been there you all know aau programs what's the appeal of playing in the eybl tournaments compared to the mcdonald's and jordan brand games well david you were you were a coach so you tell us Man, I tell you what, McDonald's would have an awful lot of appeal. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I think when it comes uh, down now compared to in the past, I think these guys are, are looking at pro careers now. They're looking at money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all these – I just think it's different. Than what, And I think maybe that's always been the case. But, you know, now uh, I, I don't know that any would trump going on and playing – professionally and, and and making some big paydays uh you know I, I think okay you've had that success but now you got to look at your future if i reclass you know i can go on to play college i can have a successful career i can go into the nba um and, and i think if he did reclass and play up that you know there's a possibility you know that you know, who knows he could be a two-year guy but still uh I think you've got all that uh, weighing in now that kids are, you know, looking so much more to their future. It used to be, you know, even the really, really good players uh, that you knew could go into the NBA, they were still thinking about college. And now professional basketball has got so much of their thought. So, uh, you know, I think if you've had that success, maybe you're reclass you become a McDonald's All-American, and then you go on and – you know, you go on and do what you got to do in college and then go on to that next level. Uh, I will say one thing. What you uh, said about the scheduling from that interview, and one thing I should have added and I didn't, it matches what uh, Corey has said all along that um, he would go to the USA uh, basketball camp and then he would announce after that. He expected a decision in October on as far as the school goes, and then it would be up probably in the spring when he um, made an official announcement on reclassification. Speaking of, of Team USA <laughs> USA, and, and um, just kind of him, him competing against other elite talent, so I've been pretty outspoken on this podcast in the past that Devin Askew is not the most talented player in the class. He's not the most athletic. He is not going to, you know, he he's he is not a top five 
prospect in the nation for a reason that he he is 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 a top point guard prospect and is considered the number one number one point guard prospect in in the class of 2021 for a reason but um as high as i am on his game there is a there's a lot of buzz out west specifically that Devin Askew is one of the more overrated point guards in the class, and that they li- in the class of 2021, and and that they like uh, a bunch of other options out out west and and just nationally more. Um, David, from what you've seen, both you know in person on film um, with your with your coaching background, what do you, what do you take of of those rumors? Both the fact that you know we're big fans of Devin Askew's game, and the fact that they're out people out west that that watch him uh probably more closely than i do that aren't as high on him where where does he stand with you see i like him for kentucky because i i I said this when they were recruiting josh christopher when all that was going on i i just and even like the Jalen green i just didn't know where such a ball-centric point guard that was a scoring point guard first I just didn't know how that fit into Kentucky because you've got all this talent around him. I would rather have – I think Calipari would rather have uh, – when you know you've got a Terrence Clark, you know you got a B.J. Boston, and you've got these guys, and who knows, maybe he does reclass and it's the next year. But when you're at Kentucky, I, I just like a, a an old-fashioned point guard that can set the table – and get everybody involved. If he has to score, he scores. But he's able to do that because you, you, the last thing you need, well, a bunch of really good players, is one guy just deciding he's going to take it over with a ball and everybody else standing around and you just waste talent. Uh, I think there's some places you've got to have a guy like that because maybe what's around him is not as good. But I, I, I just – what Eskew brings to the table, just for me personally – that's what I want right now from a Kentucky point guard. So, I, so obviously, to say I'm 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 not one of these that that thinks he's overrated. I'm very high on him. Speaking of, like I talked to some of the people out west, and some people are, think, like Jack said, that he's overrated, and some of that comes from they don't think he's a true point guard. I talked to somebody close to the program while he was on, while he was in town. Like I said earlier, they said that he seemed that he is a legit 6'5 now and still seems to be growing he is the definition of a combo guard in my opinion and in terms of like UK players like former UK players and what kind of impact he'll have at Kentucky I've heard a better shooting Marcus Teague which isn't anything to shake a stick at really that would be great considering Marcus Teague won a national championship at Kentucky yeah if Marcus Teague is a knockdown threat consistently like Askew is that He's team, probably still playing team, in the NBA. Yeah, that team possibly goes 40-0. Yeah, I think that comparison is very, very strong. I like that a lot. Um, but the the thing that definitely keeps lingering in my mind is is the, you know, well, since Kate Cunningham is obviously the next the next topic at hand, and and we're gonna jump into that and get really in depth there. Um, I I can't help but think of Devin Askew as an as a Tyler Eulis clone in terms of role. I'm I, obviously I am ex, I, I kind of touched on this on the podcast last week. I'm extremely high on Tyler Eulis. I think that he is um just a you know one of the best point guards in in Kentucky basketball history. I would argue that he is the best point guard in Kentucky basketball history. I know I get a lot of 
a, a lot of flack for that, but I'm I am that high on Tyler Ulysses' game. But the fact that you were able to let Tyler Ulysses come in and be the secondary option off the bench, be you know let him control that second unit, uh, kind of be that general manager of of the offense on that second unit uh, with guys like Devin Booker and and. Um, you know, all of that, like, I, I loved how Tyler Ulysses was, was able to know his role right off the bat when he came into Kentucky. Didn't, there wasn't a lot to be asked of him in his first year, but then in his second year, he, he just took that offense over completely, made it his own, established himself as one of the best point guards in t- Kentucky basketball history. Uh, and I, I just see Devin Askew being that type of player where, you know, he, if if for if they are able to get a Cade Cunningham for um, for for this example, get Cade Cunningham, let him take over the offense, let him make this team of it what what he wants, and let Devin Askew be be the big reliever for Cunningham. Maybe have them play together if uh, you need to get BJ Boston or Terrence Clark a break. You know, fit fit Devin into the system because I am very high on him. I think he he deserves immediate minutes. But see to play devil's advocate on that. The people I've talked to that are around modern day, around California, they say that he's got great intangibles and will make winning plays for you. He'll like he'll he'll make winning plays, but he doesn't have great point guard skill set outside of shooting. Like he's that's what's keeping him from being a top ten pick, is what they said. He's average to good in everything besides shooting. Dribble well, separation. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Is is that kind of what uh, you would say right now about Emmanuel Quickly? Yes, I think that they are. I think Askew is Emmanuel quickly with a higher ceiling. If you're asking me, if you're asking me personally to compare him to a current or former UK player, I think he's Emmanuel quickly with high upside, which yep. isn't b- bad at all for college. I, I mean, look at look at the buzz right now. Look at what those within the program and those you know, shoot Calipari even came out during media day last <laughs> week, and he was the one that said that. Uh, that Emmanuel quickly has made a, a PJ Washington level jump. So, I mean, you saw what happened with PJ Washington this year. That that is high high praise, about as high of praise as you could possibly ask for for a guy that really didn't provide all that lo- all that much last year. I mean, I know toward the very very end of the year uh, end of the year, Emmanuel quickly was probably more consistent than than Ashton Hagens, but solid defender. In terms of high end, what what the the best of of Ashton Hagens beat out the the best of Emmanuel quickly by far, but in terms of the you know pure consistency aspect and and what they were on an every every day day to day basis, um, you know they 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 were fairly fairly comp- comparable with quickly being a little bit better toward the end of the day. Um, just going jump jumping right in with the Cade Cunningham situation and and the fact that John Calipari you know. <laughs> What was what was so funny is is yesterday, Matt Jones on on Kentucky Sports Radio got a text message, and it was from he, he didn't he wasn't willing to say over the air who who it came from, but he said, hmm, I don't know if this is out there. I, I need to I need to confirm this with somebody. So he texted me at the break, uh, the the next break, and said, uh, is it public knowledge that John Calipari is visiting Kate Cunningham today? And I said. Um, no, no, it's not. And he said, I really don't know who this person is or, or you know, how much I'm able to trust them. So uh, why don't why don't you do your best to, to confirm that? So I did my my digging and, and um, 
I I had Kate Cunningham's number, so I just reached out to him directly, and and he was the one that broke to me directly that that he that John Calipari was on his way to visit him, and and that he was uh, ex- excited to see him that day, literally five days before he's on his way to to Lexington. So, kind of real quick. Travis, what do you think of the significance of the fact that John Calipari went out of his way to visit him literally five days before he's on his on his way to Lexington? I'm going to have to pull up a text from yesterday because right after you text him, I text him just to confirm with Cats Illustrated Rivals, and he said, yes, that Calipari was coming to visit. And he said, I talked to somebody else close to their program, and they said, dude, Cal's going all out. I've never seen him do this for a player. And that's – almost giving it's almost making me think that he's letting Cade remember whenever I talked about you let you let Cade Cunningham pick his toilet paper I'm, <laughs> I think he went and got him some Charmin and I think along with that he's like hey who do you want to play with do you want to play with Devin Askew if not he'll stay 2021 do you want to play with Scotty Barnes I'll start recruiting him again do you want to play with Greg Brown I'll start recruiting him again or start recruiting him harder but I think Cal's re- recruiting Cade like a madman so just I've in never, general, I mean, it reminds me like him. Even if he doesn't get Cade, the fire in him right now, according to people close to the program, it's kind of like he's rejuvenated, like it's 2010 all over again. Well, we've talked a bunch in the past about how Calipari is just he he got fed up with the with the Memphis stuff. He was fed up with with the fact that Memphis pulled off James Wiseman. He was fed up with the narrative that. Coach K was out was out recruiting him and that he couldn't compete with Coach K uh, and Duke on the recruiting trail. He heard all that buzz and he said, "You know what? Screw it. I'm going to I'm going to go out and get the number 1 recruiting class locked up by the time the the fall recruiting period even starts." Like I mean, he had the number 1 class locked up. I know Duke just picked up a fifth commit uh in Jamin Brakefield who I'm going to be totally honest, I'm not all that high on. Um but they technically have the number 1 class right now, but by the time it if Devin Askew reclassifies to 2020 and commits to Kentucky, that's that would obviously bump Kentucky back up to number one. You somehow get Cade Cunningham in in this class. He's planning on on deciding in the coming weeks as well. You get him locked up. You have the number one class locked up by far. It doesn't even matter. You you add Cade and you don't have to add anybody else. They're going to add somebody else. But from that point on, it'd be tough for any other any other school to top I think, Kentucky. Uh, I think. Somebody was talking to me about this earlier. I think if Cal gets Cade, he goes on a run like he did in his early years at UK where he can pick and choose who he wants to play at Kentucky. Yeah. I honestly do. I think he's got that much of an impact. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he is a he's the person that changes a, an Elite Eight Final Four level season, which that's incredible in its own right, to a championship season. I mean, that is that is the guy that wins championships – when it matters, that's the guy that wins games when it matters in March. Um, David, what you you have seen Cade a whole bunch. We've watched Cade together at, at various events. What do you think of his game and uh, just kind of his his potential at at the college level and in the and then at the NBA? He's the best guard in 2020 in the country, uh, and he's he's a combo in a good way. You know, you talked a little bit earlier about more of a combo with, 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 Des, with Devin. And, uh, but with Cade, when we say combo guard, that is the ultimate uh, compliment because he's really good at either one. You know, he can play the point guard and be the best 
maybe the best point guard or, or the best point guard in that class. He could be play the two and be the best two guard in that class. So, you know, that's what he has. It reminds me of the old story. I don't know if I shared it on here or not the last time, but, you know, when, when uh, the Portland Trailblazers went to Bobby Knight and said, okay, we got number one draft pick back in 84. Who are we going to go? Who would we need to go with? And he said, it's easy, Michael Jordan. And they said, well, he's a, you know, we need a center. And he said, well, okay, play him at center. So, <laughs> I so love that story. I, you know, that, that's, that's the deal here with Cade. Uh, you know, he can play either or, but he's such a, he's such a tremendous point guard. And, uh, he just is one of those that, that, uh, I think you guys said it when we were on a group text that he's the kind of guy you can just jump on his back and he, you know, he can take you on a, a very deep run in, uh, March. But when you put a guy, I'm just really trying to go back and think of just a, 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 an outstanding player at that spot when you put him on a very talented team and and I'm, I'm trying to take that through my mind and put them together and then make a run uh you know uh, a team make a run with talent around a guy like that and i'm trying to go back and think and, and it'll come to my mind but like a single uh, player you run? know it's a rare instance kimba walker was the last single Kim- player kimba was the guy that kind of took took March over by storm. Two totally different players, though. But just but in but terms you know, of, in terms uh, well, of you UConn know. had a really good backcourt, but with what they had all the way around, man, it, it it's hard to compare with what Kentucky could put together. And UConn had a really good team with some good players, but man, you're just talking about who? a guy like that with the best of the best. Man, it's it's a scary proposition. Who would you compare him to with like a previous NBA or college player comparison? The best one I've heard that's really stuck in my mind ever since I've heard it is Grant Hill. Yeah, it could be, you know, a lot of these guys, they run together, but just the, the thing that, that I really liked about him was, man, he was just such a big, strong guard that could do it all you watch him and you say man there's no way this guy is between his junior and senior year in high school i mean he just you see guys that are bigger that might play in a post or a great big wing and and you say you know this is this looks like a grown man he looks like he's 24 25 years old you hardly ever see it well a point guard and a two guard but you know, he he was just one of those guys that was just you a lot of these guys you think in the future, okay, this is what this guy will look like when you put weight on him and he could be that guy in the future and you, you, you try to project what he's gonna look like. This guy looks like that now. Yeah. Yeah, I am I am incredibly he kinda reminds me of you know, when and when Andrew Harrison came out of college or came out of high school, he was the number one point guard in the nation kind of for the same reasons, kind of being a slow, methodical, um, you know, strong, not overly skilled. He wasn't overly skilled. I, I think that kind of the the overarching argue, argument with this is that I think Kate is a, a incre- more skilled and, and a, a better version of, of Andrew Harrison. But, yeah, I, just what you loved about Andrew Harrison and just the fact that he can just control the pace of a game and, and he kind of – he was in high school, he was able to make the game uh, kind of go – move around him more so than let the game affect him or um, 
for, uh, yeah. I I am very very high on Cade. I think that he's he is like you said the number one guard in the nation. Um, what do you think about very, you know obviously hypothetically speaking the idea of of Devin and Cade working together in the same offense? Real quick before we get into this, one of the player I mean one of the insiders that we were talking about that had one of the national insiders that we were talking about that had uh, Devin going to Louisville just changed his crystal ball pick. Who to UK? Who was it? Andrew Slater. Oh, that's big. Yeah, that's big. Yeah, he's. I just he's, saw that on Twitter. Yeah, he's. That's uh, that's pretty. Man, spell. you talk about breaking news. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, but yeah, like on on that note, it's looking more and more promising. The fact that Devin Askey will be uh, part of the of Kentucky's recruiting class in 2020. How do you think the idea of of Cade and and Devin working together uh, would unfold? I think they play would go really well together, especially if you go with a perimeter top heavy type lineup, which we think he's going to have. I've been really going back the last few days and watching a lot of Calzo dribble drive stuff. You know, and you talk about some of the backcourts that he's had, and, and you talk about different players working together in those backcourts. And you might have had more than one point guard. You might have had one more than one two guard. And, and that's one reason I think Devin could play point guard in this system because, uh, you know, you, you're basically – you, you've got a handoff uh, in a dribble-drive action from the top, and they're going to probably be more incorporated with ball screens now since you've got – would have guys like Lance Ware or somebody like that who can – who can set ball screens and pop uh, and, and, and stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, but you're given all that space, but you're allowing just an open floor and the guy gets penetration and your goal in that is to get two feet in the lane and then hit the skip or hit the handoff. And then that next guy turns. So you kind of got all those guys playing to strength. And one thing Cal Perry has been able to do and, I know sometimes we get called up into this. Well, he's a one and he's a two and he's a three. And we've got to remember this is really kind of set up for positionless basketball. Mm-hmm. We're allowing some really talented perimeter players to play together in the same system. And I think obviously they can do that because they both got ball skills and they both got off the ball skills. So, uh, you know, you're, you're, and what it's going to be is guys playing the open floor. If you watch Calipari's old tape, man, it, it was those guys getting into the lane with space, getting to the rim, going one-on-one. That's what it was set up for. And the more guys you have can do that together, uh, the better it works. And so I see no reason why they can't work in concert together at all. And <clears throat> it would be ridiculous if you had all three, but even if you miss out on Cade, everybody forgets that um, – Terrence Clark could be really good at initiating this dribble drive offense if that's what Cal's going back to. Um, I think he could be a Tyreek Evans type. I don't think he'll be a true point, but he'll be one of the ones you get the ball and just go. And then whenever you get up, if you don't have anything, you initiate the offense. Yeah, he's- hey, and BJ Boston too, because I know when he first committed, Corey was huge on – and see, I'd never got to see him play when Sharif Cooper wasn't in a lineup. And he was just huge on, hey – this guy can – he can play the one, he can play the two, he can play the three. If you need B.J. to handle the ball some, he can do that. So, uh, 
stuff. See, I, I think he fits into that too. Yeah, absolutely. And and I don't, David. I don't know if you listened to one of the early podcasts, but I that was one of the main things that I raved about BJ Boston just right off the bat is you hear all of the rumors about him being you know you watch the highlight you watch his highlights and and he can. He can score from all three levels. He's a guy that is easily one of the best score scorers in all of America. So you go and watch him in person, and and you think, okay, let's let's see how good of a shooter that how good of a shooter this guy really is. Let's see how how incredible of a, of a scorer this guy really is. Um, see him in, see him with your own eyes for for a change, and then you go and you're looking for the scoring, you're looking for the shooting, and then he. You know, steals the show with his ball with his ball handling he can bring the ball up the floor and create for his team and and just you know definitely set the pace with with that AOT program I know Sharif Cooper gets gets a lot of credit for that because he you know he is the he was the lead guard but man BJ Boston is he is a superstar in the making um he's a guy that obviously needs to put on weight but man I am I am so so high on his game he's he's gonna be so much fun to watch at the next level what do you think of um a comparison for BJ is Kevin Knox with better ball skills and better passing vision. I mean, yeah, that, that's as far as UK players. Yeah, I mean, I, that's probably the closest that you're going to find. Um, I think he's definitely more fluid. I think he's more coordinated and and uh, I'm, I just skilled from 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 top to bottom than 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 what Does Kevin Knox brought to the table. Does he know how to pass on a fast break? Kevin cannot do that. Oh, that that just that just sent a chill up my spine. That was that was a uh, that was not a favorable memory. Um, while we're while we're on the topic of of Cade Cunningham, you know, let's jump into his recruitment and just kind of figure out what the heck is going on and and just kind of uh, just dive into it completely. Travis, I know that you've for a long time thought that that. UNC was actually the team to beat with all this recent Kentucky buzz. Um, has that has that changed at all? Until I get some more conf- concrete information, I'm not going to change from UNC to UK. But, hell, after Big Blue Madness, you might hear something to make me change that. But <clears throat> I was talking to somebody that I trust, and they said that they've been – they've told me about different recruitments like uh, Dacian next to UCLA, a uh, couple other commitments that are coming up. Um, Devin Askew to Kentucky whenever I was asking like about the Louisville buzz. Uh, he's like, I never gave up on Devin Askew. Well, he said that he's hearing that all the K Cunningham to UK stuff is just talk. Like, it's not going to happen, just talk. So that gave me a little bit of pause because he's always been truthful and always been right with me, and he's really connected in some circles. So, Yeah, but at the same time, as – True is a lot of that stuff. A lot of the buzz is, you know, I, I think that you know, re- recruitments <clears throat> are just so fluid and they change so often, and, and it's so hard to get a good read. You know, you look at a guy like Jalen Green, and I, I had somebody to- tell me this past weekend that two, as of two weeks ago he was an Oregon Duck, and as of two months ago he was a Kentucky Wildcat, and as of uh, I think it was two years ago. He was he was a Memphis Tiger. Like he, it's been. Now a, I'm hearing he's Memphis again. And yeah, I think Memphis is now taking taking back that that top spot. But you know, you just look at guys like that, and and their recruitments are just so all over the place, and it's just so for you know, just want to you just want to pull your hair out trying to get a good read on that. Um, you know, you just gotta you gotta take things for what they are. Take things with a grain of salt. You know, it's think things change so often, but. We talked along. We we talked over the last several several episodes that Cade Cunningham is a guy that Calipari would 
do anything for. He's the kind of guy that if you are going to go all in on a guy, uh, he is he is that type of person. And just the timing of him with his, I don't want to be a hat on the table anymore. Um, I'm not going to recruit guys just just so they can say that they picked X school over Kentucky. Like I'm just not going to do that anymore. We saw that with Isaiah Todd uh, just this just this week, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But he is a guy that even if as high as he on he is on a guy, I know for certain that Jalen Green was his favorite guard. Or when it looked like Cade Cunningham was going to. Oklahoma State, Jalen Green was his favorite garden in the country, and he was willing to say, yeah, sorry, thanks, but no thanks to, to even him. With his Isaiah Todd thing, I am very high on uh, – I think Calipari was very high on Isaiah Todd, and, and I think he was willing to tell him thanks, but no thanks. So when you have a guy like Cade and you're still going going forward with this stuff and, and going to visit him on Monday, bringing him on an on official visit, um, you know, I I'd think that – you just got to trust Cal on this one and, and know that he's not going to go all in on a guy that uh, that he has no chance with. So a lot of the talk that all this stuff is just a smoke screen and all that. I mean, I you know maybe at the very end of the day, but Cal's not stupid and he can he can read that stuff early. You know he he did that exact same thing with some of the other main targets that he has right now, and and I just don't think he'd. He'd go all in the way that he is right now if he didn't think he had a shot. The recruiting circle that I mentioned a minute ago, they've said that he's a North Carolina lock for like a month. So I get, I don't know if they're being stubborn and not changing that or they're still hearing the same thing or just have outdated information. Yeah, and I mean, I do think this North Carolina buzz was legit. I mean, I think that – that the Oklahoma State stuff, there are there are legitimate concerns. Um, I think that I don't know if Mike Boynton would get fired, but Cade has one year in college, and he is not going to be. He's he, he is a winner at heart. He's a guy that he was very frustrated with the fact that he wasn't able to win Peach Jam, that he lost in the semifinals. He at least wanted to get to that that finals. Um, get to the finals and, and have a chance to win it all. He was pretty pretty frustrated when he lost to Jalen Green's team. Why not? And Devin Askew, which, by the way, Devin Askew defended him extremely well and, and played played Cade about as well as you could. Um, but, yeah, I'm – it, it's it's very interesting to, just to see how this is all unfolding and, and Calipari kind of – Still against all odds going forward with this, uh, David. Do you have any any read on this on, on this situation and and Kate potentially going to Kentucky? Let me say this first. Uh, you kind of stumped me a while ago uh, with a comparison. I really not thought about it I, I, because I, I don't think a whole lot about them. But it's a good question. And I went all the way back through rivals top tens ever since I started in 2003 and I had to go back all the way to 04 and, and the closest thing I can really compare him to is Sean Livingston. Oh, that's yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So everybody forgets you know, how good you, Sean was. You look at him, you know, he came out as a point guard and you don't even think of him as a point guard in NBA. Cause he, he just does so much stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, he was a good one in college, but he, he was six six one seventy. you know, when he came out and, uh, he's more of a, uh, you know, he's a little bit smaller weight wise, you know, uh, uh, Cade's a, 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 I think a bigger kid at that same stage, but that might be the closest one. Go ahead. You were going to say something. Yo, I was, I was just asking you, what is your, what is your latest feel on, on the Cade Cunningham recruitment? What, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I thought Travis was saying something there. Uh, 
I, I still think Oklahoma State, but I think the thing is, can you get into that two spot? And, and like I said last week, I think, man, the, the elephant in the room is this FBI investigation because it, it's – I don't think it's a coincidence that the two guys that he's really, really got back in with is Cade Cunningham and, and, and Scotty Barnes. And, you know, we're talking Scotty Barnes to uh, – and we'll get on him later, but, you know, there's Oregon uh, that, that was named. There's Oklahoma State that's named. I, so I, I just don't think that's a surprise. So – it, like I said, I just think it would be hard when your brother's been hired basically to to get you there, tell your own flesh and blood, no, I think it's going to be difficult. I think what Calipari's doing right now is playing himself into that number two role, trying to do that, trying to jump North Carolina. And, and then uh, if Cade starts really having some cold feet about Oklahoma State, then, you know, there you are. So – uh, I think it's a process. I know a lot of people on the site on in, in uh, the war room yesterday in the House of Blue. Man, they were like, "Okay, what have you heard? What have you heard? What have you heard?" <laughs> oh god, and, yeah. <laughs> Twenty DMs and, on Twitter too. Oh yeah, but the thing is, it's it's just part of the process, and that's what the whole thing is now. It's a process, you know. The, what that tells me when he goes and takes the official visit or, or takes an in-home visit, rather four or five days in front of the of the official, that means Cal's pulling out every stop, and he is all in 100%, and this is huge to him. But it, it's not like he's going to go at, you know go there to see him, and he's going to say, okay, man, I, I can't believe you're here to see me. I'm going to commit. It's not that. It's a process, and Calipari knows that. So I think they're looking at this thing more as a marathon. Yeah, um, you bring up a good point with that that number two aspect because um, for the longest time it was Oklahoma State one hundred percent. No, there were I mean there really weren't. He even when he named a top five, people just laughed at him. They're like, dude, just get it over with. Commit to Oklahoma State. You're not going to go anywhere other than where your brother is. Like, let's just stop playing the games. Um, But UNC kind of came in there and kind of nudged its way into being that number two spot. Uh, or at least, I mean, there was, a, there was a point that it was really 1A, 1B with North Carolina. I mean, they got a ton of buzz. I mean, Travis, you said, uh, I think, two as early as two weeks ago, that you thought that UNC had solidified itself as the leader. Um, but as as time has gone on, you know, Kentucky has just done such a phenomenal job of, of – you know, nuzzling its way into it and, and trying to um, force force its way. North Carolina is now they, – they accepted a commitment from Caleb Love. They're now hosting a couple other guards on, on visits on, on their end. Don't know if – Haven't heard any anything about them going to visit Cade either. But, hell, we were the only ones that put anything out yesterday. None of the national guys Which did. that's kind of frustrating. I mean, it's like, dude, this is – John Calipari visiting Cade Cunningham – the week before his visit and is massive, and massive confirmed news. confirmed to both of us. Yeah, it was, so. that that was a little frustrating. But I'm not gonna not gonna jump in on on that. But um, but like David was saying about the people on like House of Blue and people on Twitter um, asking if I've heard anything. I have not uh, from Cade himself or from anybody close to the program. I know I didn't expect any, to hear anything from Cade. Honestly, I think you'd be stupid to expect yeah. that. But 
the um I think I think cows want to play this extremely close to the vest because I've talked to a couple of people with a couple current Kentucky recruits. I've talked to people in their circles, and they say Cal is just so secretive. He's got this master plan for this class, and he's playing everything super close to the vest. Like These guys have told me everything up until now in these two recruitments, and they're like, there's some things we just can't tell you, but we'll tell yeah, you after the I, fact. I, yeah. And, so, and there, think. you think about all the solid – offers that they've had of the land even in 2021 and there have been some in 2020 but there's been you know several it seems like cal really likes a silent offer and and i've also been told uh just kind of what you were talking about with with cade um cade is from what i've been told by those who talk to him a lot uh on a recruiting trail to national guys if there's a poker player out there it's him he is stone-faced. He gives <laughs> yeah. away nothing. He's a pro at it. And that camp is as tight-lipped as it comes. So, you know, just don't expect a lot of leaks. So if, if people are thinking, well, if you heard any, you're not going to hear anything directly or indirectly. This is going to be a very tight-lipped camp, I promise you. All right. So I've said North Carolina. David has said Oklahoma State. Are we going to get the, the full trio, or who are you going with here? Um, I will say for the very first time in Cade's entire recruitment post Cannon Cunningham being being hired at Oklahoma State, for the very first time as of even even when he rescheduled his visit from early November to uh, – to back to Big Blue Madness. Even then, I wasn't buying the hype. Um, you know, I, I, I knew that on Kentucky's end that they were going to – I mean, we had talked on this podcast several times that if they saw that door even crack, that they were going to go all in on that, um, that, that he is the kind of guy that they would just – going to pull out all stops to make that happen. Um, but even when he rescheduled, I didn't think that um, – that, Kentucky still had a legitimate shot. I still saw them as the third, the the third school, which is great. I mean, it, it, it's great to be in, in that dark horse scenario. But how often do the dark horses really come out on top? When, Let me ask you this, Travis: Kentucky two or three right now? Uh, I think two. I think Mike Boynton's not going to be at Oklahoma State next year because of some disciplinary disciplinary issues. But I think. Cal has solidified that second spot, and hell, he might even be the first spot, but I'm just not one to change my opinion unless I hear something solid. I'm not just going to go change every time I hear winds of different directions. That's just my personal thing. Yeah, you, you asked for my my official prediction. If I were if I were to make an official prediction, if I had a crystal ball pick or a future cast or whatever, I would put it in for Oklahoma State right now. But if we're being honest, I put mine in for Foggy. Yeah, I would that, put, I would that's take the easy a, way that's out about as one. great as you could put it because, like I said, for the very first time since Cannon Cunningham was hired at Oklahoma State, I think Kentucky has a shot. All right, let me I ask you, Foggy, thought, is that is that like Snoop Dogg at the Fog? Yeah, is that yeah. What you're talking about? <laughs> Gosh, don't even get me started. If <laughs> if Cal done that, oh, but the uh, <laughs> what was I gonna say? Um, so do you th- do you think that him rescheduling for Big Blue Madness is Kentucky pushing for that, or do you think it's Cade's call? Well, I mean, it's Cade's call ultimately in the end, but you think it was his idea or Kentucky's idea? I bet it was Kentucky knowing – see, so that news broke on 
this weekend while Devin was on his visit, right? Yes. Didn't, didn't that that he that it got rescheduled? So my gut is Kentucky knew where they stood with Devin Askew. They they said. I think we got this kid locked up. I think that it would be a major shock if, if he landed anywhere other than Kentucky at this point. That's how I genuinely feel. I think it would be a shock if he landed anywhere other than Kentucky at this point. And I think they reached out to Kate Cunningham and said, man, we need to know right now whether we can take this kid's commitment in, in, in reclassification in 2020. We know that you are our – you know, we told Devin probably that – that uh, Cade is is still our our number one top option. He probably reached out to Cade and said, "Man, we're we're ready to we're ready secu- to secure this kid. We need to know if that you are on board with him being there. Uh, we want to know your your gut on on all this. Uh, why don't you get on campus as soon as possible? I'm going to come visit you at at Montverde. Um, we'll talk as much as you want. Um, but I I definitely think this was initiated by Kentucky and. Cunningham going, you know what? Let's make this happen. All right, David, let me to ask me you. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. Well, say what you're going to say and then answer this uh, after you're finished. How significant is it to miss the USA tryouts? I was going to answer what you were or you're reading my mind. Um, see, I, to me, it's a big deal because, you know, I mean, you take a look. Devin is going to, he's going to make his announcement after USA basketball. And so it's a big deal. And I've talked to other guys in the past that have gone out there. And, you know, that's a that's an important thing because there's so many good players. I mean, they've been a lot of good players out there that have been cut from teams. Uh, there's guys in the NBA have been cut from those teams. And, uh, I mean, you want to be there and put your best foot forward. And uh, to me – to reschedule from that after he had said, you know, I'm going there, I'm going to do this. And not only did he decide, hey, you know, I'm going to go to, to Kentucky instead, he backtracked mm-hmm. to, to do that and changed his mind. So it just doesn't seem like a, a – and, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I'm saying Oklahoma State, I'm not sure where Kentucky plays in that two and three, but I know Cal is going all out, but – even on, even no matter whose decision, let's say it was Kentucky's decision, it takes two to tango. I mean, mm-hmm. Kate Cunningham's got to say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to miss uh, the USA minicamp in Colorado Springs, and I'm going to go to Lexington. To me, man, that's a major step, uh, uh, you know. Uh, so that says something. I got a question for both of y'all. Um, I saw somebody post on House of Blue earlier. It made me think. I thought it was a legit question. Um would you compare this in any way, this Cade's recruitment in any way, to Kerry Blackshear's recruitment where you knew UK wasn't a favorite all along, but you kept talking yourself into it, and at the end of the day he went to the guy – or you went to the school that was considered the favorite from the beginning? Um, at, at first I thought maybe they were a favorite for Kerry, but the one thing that became obvious early on was that the Kerry Blackshear camp was way in over their head on this one. They were saying something, then denying they said it, and then uh, you know, I, 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 they even I, I, some people around that even said, "Look, he didn't get this kind of attention at Virginia Tech, uh, and they just really didn't know what to expect." And the difference here is, you know, every step to me 
uh, from Cade Cunningham and his camps calculated. So I think that's where you draw the difference. Yeah, you know, what's what's so funny about that Kerry Blackshear situation is is after the fact, you know, I it kind of got to the point in that recruitment that um, you know I was told pretty early on that, um, by by somebody he he attended it. He wasn't invited to the NBA draft combine. He was invited to I think it was just the professional basketball co- combine out in out in California. And I had talked to somebody. Um, out there right around the time that he was participating and was doing media interviews and, and was, was talking to guys out there. And, and I had talked to somebody there and, and somebody pretty definitively said, if this, if, if he pulls his name out of the draft, he's going to Kentucky. I mean, he, they, he was pretty, pretty adamant about that. So that was kind of one of the very first, you know, I kind of hung on to that about as long as, as long as I could. Cause I was like, man, it was, it was kind of odd to be so definitive about that, uh, if you didn't, if if Carrie hadn't said something that triggered that, you know, that's not something you just make up. That's something that you know you if you have to feel pretty strongly about that as it is. Um, but as 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 odd as it is, like I talked to guys after the fact uh, on with with within a bunch of different of the programs involved. I talked to an, an Arkansas guy, and he was furious about how the Carrie the Blackshear situation happened. He said, um, you know, we we absolutely thought we had him locked up there was a there was a time that uh wouldn't say that he committed but said that he had made his his uh intentions known that he was going to be at arkansas and i know for certain that he had told that to people at tennessee he had told that to people at virginia tech that he was returning returning to the school uh and i know that that at one point kentucky was not certain that he was going to be a wildcat but that he was feeling pretty uh feeling pretty they were feeling pretty good about it um and for him to go to go back to florida and and like yeah like david said like it's it's one thing to blatantly lie and and do that and it's one thing to just be very calculated with 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 what you're going how you're going about your business and all that the way Cade Cade's camp is they're not lying to anybody they're it, he says that he's he's more wide open than people think and he ended up being more wide open than people think but he also said that if that he was strongly considering the idea of playing with his brother at Oklahoma State, and that that was something that that was something that would hold uh, hold true until the time he made a decision. So I do think, in terms of secrecy and trying to figure out and wade things out, I think it's it's similar in that instance. But in terms of of just being forward and understanding, kind of were, understanding it, I think that that's that's how they're different. I think they were pretty much asking like. Not in how it was handled, but more of the recruitment. Like at the end of the day, they're going to end up at the favorite, at the original favorite. I mean, I'm I'm here to tell you that for the very first time, I think that Kentucky has a legitimate shot. They might not get him at the very end, but I think that is something that should make Kentucky fans feel better. I mean, the fact that that a lot of people kind of thought that they knew what was going on with Kerry uh, Kerry Blashier. Um, that was one thing, but with this one, people were pretty, you know, as soon as as soon as Cannon was was hired at Oklahoma State, it was a done deal. Evan Daniels came out and said done deal. All the big national guys came out and said done deal. I mean, it was it's always been pretty forward, pretty self explanatory. The UNC buzz, it was obvious. Cade was not going out of his way to deny it. He went and enjoyed his visit, talked about how much he enjoyed his visit, and now this Kentucky buzz is coming. He didn't, you know. The, 
he confirmed, you know, he didn't try to hide the fact that Kentucky was coming to visit him. He told both Travis and I that the visit was happening. Uh, somebody within the UK program told me that this was happening. Like, it's not a secret. Like, they are well aware of this Kentucky buzz. And, and um, there's, I don't want to say a lack of professionalism on Kerry Blackshear's part, but there is a strong sense of professionalism with this Kate Cunningham thing that uh, I think that's that's how it's it's a uh, the differences are pretty pretty strong in that sense. Um, from there, let's just touch real quick on Isaiah Todd because um, last week we did a, a segment on a, a mailbag, or I guess I did because we we were only able to talk for thirty minutes, and I did a mailbag segment after that, um, and it got really good feedback. People asked if we could if we can make that a regular aspect of this show and i'm up for it if both of you guys are um i asked some people before the show to give us some questions and we got a ton of good ones so we can go from there right after we bring up the isaiah todd situation um isaiah todd cut his list of school cut his list of schools to two included michigan and kansas uh coming right off of official visits to both schools he visited kansas this past weekend for uh as david said the uh the Snoop Dogg, uh, uh, Snoop Dogg adventure. Uh, he was there for that, and then the week before that, he was in at Michigan. Uh, real quick, guys, what do you think went into that decision to cut Kentucky, cut Memphis, cut UNC, and um, you know, how, where do you think where do you think the the lack of Kentucky uh, kind of played part of that? Travis, go I first. think. I go think ahead, he uh, was going to. Uh, I think the thought felt thought process is he's going to go uh, play professionally. Um, I think there's. A, I mean, when you make a player of his caliber, and he basically begged North Carolina to take him. I mean, he's been he's been on 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 more official. I mean, unofficials over there you count, and for them basically to move another direction. And then, you know, he came out and said, I thought it was very telling that I wanted to visit Kentucky and they wouldn't let me, I believe was the words. And I, I don't think all that's a mistake uh, or a coincidence. Um, I, I just think that you're looking at two programs just that really thought, Hey, we're not going to put all this time into him uh, if, if he's going to do something else. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to piggyback off that. I think that, I mean, look at one of the programs involved, and that tells you all you need to know. It's always Kansas or used to be Arizona before Sean Miller cleaned up his act. It was always one of those two programs that was in on the sketchy kids. Um, <laughs> Michigan, I don't know. I knew Michigan was going to be in this final two, but I didn't know if it would be Kansas or if it would be uh, Memphis. Um, like you said, practically lived at North Carolina over the summer. And during the fall, wanted to be there bad. Uh, I think the Kentucky buzz, I think I had a bad read on it, honestly. I, I talked to somebody that said UK was right there in like the thick of things, like top three, which may have been at one point in the past month or so. But I think that there was a big gap in between his top two and his like UK and North Carolina because they sensed the overseas buzz starting to grow. Yeah, I, I- – I, I agree with both of you guys. I think the overseas buzz is about as loud as you, it could possibly get right now. Uh, I think that at, I was told that the Kentucky coaching staff was worried that he would commit in the commit in the fall. He announced a commitment day for October seventeenth. He would commit to Kentucky in the fall, and then 
Kentucky would back off a bunch of their other front court options, and in the spring he eventually decides to go overseas, and Kentucky's left. Kentucky's left with nothing, and I think that was a big worry of the Kentucky coaching staff, and uh, they just didn't want to play those reindeer games. They were tired of of you know trying to figure out you know this the this overseas aspect is such a new development for them um, that they have to they have to take into strong consideration now because that is such a, a, a prominent aspect of guys, you know, the RJ Hampton situation. And now with Jalen green and some of the other big guys, McCurr maker, um, they, they have to factor that in because they don't want to be left screwed over at the very end. And I know with Isaiah Todd, I know for certain that, that he was Kentucky's favorite big in the class. They loved him. They, you know, I, I was a big fan of his game. He reminded me a lot of a young Anthony Davis, right when he started started under, right when the growth spurt happened, and, and he was kind of figuring out his guard skills and learning how to shoot and learn, you know, when when that process was happening. That's kind of the the sense I that I, I get with Isaiah Todd. I don't think he's going to end up being Anthony Davis, but that same level of player, I was just that type of style of player I was I'm just very high on his game and um you know frankly a little disappointed that he's not going to end up at Kentucky because I, I do like him so much but I just I just know Calipari and his staff are done done playing these games and they decided it was in their best interest to move on and I, I know for certain that Kentucky moved on in this this instance uh as Isaiah Todd indicated by saying that they wouldn't even let him take an official visit which is just it's crazy to think of knowing where they stood with him this past this past spring, they were ready to take his reclassification commitment uh, on, on the spot, and now they were the ones that pulled out pulled out this weekend. So, very interesting there. Um, from with that, let's just jump straight into our little mailbag game that we have. Um, it kind of makes it a lot easier for us to quickly go through and kind of just uh, clear things up for the Kentucky the Kentucky fans. Um, let's go with. Uh, very quickly, Kentucky's chances of landing both Cade Cunningham and Devin Askew. Oof. Uh, 50 – well, see, let's get average here. 100% for <laughs> Devin Askew plus I still – Would you go – Would are you willing to say 100% even if, you know, even factoring right, 90, in 90. Cade, Cade saying on his visit yesterday, no, I will absolutely not play with Devin, you know? Or I wonder, can we factor in – 2020 or 2021 because the question technically all right so we'll go 75 percent for Devin. (laughs) this is this is by uh jacob mckinney by the way uh we'll we'll go through with each one with the the name of the person so yeah either 2021 or 2020 and gabe cunningham all right so Devin, ask you anytime anytime all right so you didn't clarify in the question buddy you didn't say all right so anytime for Devin, ask you 95 uh Kate Cunningham, 20, so whatever the average of that is. So, I don't know. That's fair. That's like that's fair. 50 you to can, 60%. You can, you can do that. David, what do you think? 15, for both, 15, 20%. Yeah, for my both. Uh, is way off on mine. Yeah, but it, it, <laughs> in, uh, I, I just think whatever your percentage is for, for Kate is what you uh, – that's what it's going to be overall. But I think some people see this and say, well, you mean – We've only got we're that low, but you've got to remember you're, you're you're basically putting Oklahoma State, Kentucky, North Carolina in there and splitting it three ways. So uh, you know I, I would make Oklahoma State you know as a favorite uh, 
I don't know, probably no more than 40%. That's what I was thinking. I, I'd say it's there, probably 40-20-20 so. or 40 30, yeah. 10, you know, the, or that math definitely yeah, add up, but <laughs> going to 80, come on. Gosh. Uh, yeah. So that I, I would probably put it probably 20, I'm going to go 30% that Kentucky lands All right, both. Let me clean up my math real quick. What I was basically saying, I couldn't portray it into words. I'm going 90 to 95% on Devin Askew and I think it's 15% to 20% on Cade Cunningham as of today. I shouldn't have averaged those because, yeah. I mean, you're pretty much going off of what Cade's percentage is. So, under 50, so 40. Okay. Round, same ballpark. I, I'm, I'm going to go probably 30, 35% for getting them both. Um, I'm very, 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 very high on Devin Askew's chances of landing at Kentucky. Very. I am – at least now open to the idea of Kate Cunningham joining and playing at Kentucky with Devin Askew. I think that's something like I'm told that Kentucky is going after both in this class. They are wanting them to play together uh, fitting. They, they want the problem of knowing how the heck are we going to do this? I, I, Kentucky wants to have that challenge because they've never had this challenge before. They've had, they've had, you know, they've gotten a, the best of the best and they've gotten guys a tier underneath where they can, you know, put up, put the one, put them at the top spot and then the, and put them underneath. But with this, like, it's literally the number one point guard in the nation, the number two point guard in the nation. If if he reclassifies to twenty twenty, so um, yeah, so I, I like love Kentucky's chances with Devin Askew. I am getting lukewarm on Kentucky's chances with Kate Cunningham. Moving on. Um, what about uh, just kind of adding adding to the fact this is not a specific question? Um, Greg Brown fitting into the Cade Cunningham situation. Say Kentucky gets a commitment from Cade Cunningham. I know that the general consensus right now is that Texas is the number one, and Memphis and Kentucky are kind of two A two B right now. Would a Cade Cunningham lock up? Cade Cunningham commitment lock up Greg Brown. Um, I don't know about lockup, but it would definitely highly increase Kentucky's chances because Greg Brown, for those of you that, that don't know, played AAU with the on the Texas Titans. Uh, I couldn't remember if it was Titans or Legends. Texas Titans. Titans. Um, with Cade Cunningham. And Cade is just one of those playmakers that makes you so much better. And then Greg Brown would have to do nothing else. He could average 12 to 14 points on – like wide open dunks, alley oops, <laughs> that's it. That's putbacks, it. lobs. That's it. David, what do you think? I, uh, I still think he's a Texas guy. <clears throat> you know, he just lives a couple of minutes from campus. He lives in Austin, um, and and uh, you know, I know we're talking to his dad. Uh, they've been on him since eighth grade, and you know, that's one thing his dad said that you couldn't replace is. You know, that they've actually just – he's built up such a great relationship with Shaka Smart uh, and that coaching staff. And, and it's almost like, okay, they've recruited – there's more to it in basketball. They, they've recruited him as a person. And he's just – not only a relationship, but he's got a friendship with that staff. Mm-hmm. And he's had one. Um, so I, I think that gives them advantage. It's just hard to – for other schools to match because you just can't come in and have that type of click right off the bat. Um, now, obviously, 
he, he couldn't do anything but help uh, if they get K'd. But I, this would be one maybe kind of like Oklahoma State and Oregon, you know, if, if Texas underperforms again this year, a shock on any type of hot seat. So if he is, then once again, if you can get into that second spot, you know, and this might be something that would be decided later because uh, it's not like John Calipari to fill all 13 spots scholarships. So he's always got something open. You know, does he commit to Texas? Would they have a bad year? Uh, they go in another direction, and then all of a sudden uh, he gets out of his, you know, he gets out of his offer. He's in the transfer port, or port, well, not transfer, but he's released. Yeah. So, you know, that's something you can look at too. So, like I said, this is an intriguing class to me because there's just so many variables outside of, of just normalities of, hey, I'm going to either school A, school B, or school C. There's just a lot of moving parts. Somebody asked me, I'm going to add a little um, mailbag that wasn't on the tweet, but somebody asked me, they're not. I'm not saying that these are like potential combinations. Well, they are potential combinations, but um, not projecting any of these guys to end up at Kentucky besides Devin Askew. Um, would you all rather have a combination of Cade Cunningham and Greg Brown or Devin Askew and Jonathan Kaminga? Mm, David, go first on that one. I thought I was going to get softballs. <laughs> You asked me this the other day. What did I tell you? Uh, I hope you remember because I'm afraid I'd tell you something different. Let me uh, – let, That's almost like – You know a, what? That's I'll, almost like a yes. I'll find the message. You have to guess what you said. Oh, man. Give me the two combinations again. Devin Askew and Jonathan Kaminga or Cade Cunningham and Greg Brown. All right, I found it, so you better be I, right. Did I say ask? I think I said ask you, Kaminga. Oh no, your age is showing. <laughs> you, I didn't. You said Cade, oh, and you said Caden Brown. You oh. said you said Cade is the best guard out there. And, oh, baby, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. and yeah. and Brown is. You I said had some Kaminga love going on. Because, you said you man. said and Brown is more like an old mm. an old school bid. He, big. Yeah, he is really yeah, long yeah. and rebounds. Yeah, yeah man, I did. And, I did. But that's how tough a question. <laughs> Seriously. That's how tough a question. I, I don't know if you saw the, like like the meme that's out there where they asked this guy, this older guy, and they said, okay, you've got two choices. A, you can live with the rest of your life with your wife, or, and he goes, B, B, B. <laughs> so it, it's, it's not that. I mean, you've got some two pretty strong options. The, uh, I said personally i go with uh, Cade and Greg Brown because I think Cade would – Jonathan Kaminga is a stud. He is him and Kate are my two favorite players in high school basketball. You can't go wrong with either one. Um Kaminga probably the best long term player in high school besides Amani Bates in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um but Cade is one of those guys that can just will you to a championship. He can put you on, on his back and carry you. Yeah, I am I am I, I really don't know where I would go with that. Um I know on Kentucky's end they're going for I mean, they're going for all four right now. They're they're going to try to swing for the fences and and somehow manage all four. They're not going to get all four, but that would be way too many egos. Just that would just be absolutely ridiculous. Um, but I, 
I wouldn't be surprised if they go really, really hard on three, with the three probably most likely being uh, Askew, Cunningham, and Greg Brown. I think those are pretty prominent options, and, and I think that's kind of what Kentucky's blueprint right now is. Um, but if you had to pick one of them, I'd probably like you guys go – Cunningham Brown probably because just the built-in chemistry that they already have. I, I rewatched some film that of of them with the Texas Titans this past year, and goodness, they the lobs that they threw to each other and and just the chemistry that they had on the floor was just phenomenal. So uh, I'd I'd probably just do that. But man, if if I had the option of 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 getting a commitment from both Devin Askew and Jonathan Kaminga right now, I would take it without without hesitation just because um, those are such two impressive Im- impressive prospects. Uh, moving on from there, this is from Andrew Slaughter. If you had to pick today. Is that Slater's burner? <laughs> <laughs> if you had to pick today, who will be UK's front court alongside Lance Ware? At the end of the class, oh, throw it Brown, Banchero, Isaiah Jackson, Cliff Omarui. You have to pick. You have to pick uh, how, how they're closing things out. I'm. I mean, this is going to be a complete guess. Like this is. I mean, I'm not going to get all these right. Um, Isaiah Jackson, you got a 50-50 shot, so I'll put him. JJ Turner, if they offer. I feel like he'll be at Kentucky. The stud of the class. You already got Lance Ware. I think they'd get those two and go with a grad transfer. David? Yeah, I, I think they could end up – I think they could end up with two that you mentioned. You talked about a grad transfer, and I think the grad transfer is going to depend on who they get, you know, of your 2020 guys. Obviously, Ware's already there. I just kind of see Isaiah Jackson. There's all Alabama talk – and there's times, you know, when I talk to his dad, I'm just like, man, he, it's just, it seems like Alabama, but I wonder when it comes down to the end and each offers a different reason mm-hmm. to, to, to pick one's like, okay, you can go here and play with a bunch of studs or you or, and make a, you know, have a, just get you ready for the NBA. It's what's going to be like there. You're going to have a ton of success or you can go to Alabama or be, be the man or you can go to Syracuse and you can play a different style. And it's just different looks. But um, I, I think they could end up getting him in the end. Omarui is a real wild card to me because I've always thought, you know, when they first started, that, that was a guy that they really, that really liked Kentucky and the Isaiah Briscoe connection and the, the, the the Roselle Catholic uh, tradition, all those different things. Um, so, but he's not going to do it to the spring. I think that's interesting, and he's going to be kind of out of sight, out of mind. I don't want to quit thinking about Kentucky in that one because it's almost like one day we're like, okay, Cliff Omarui is going to be a guy they're going to get, and then the next day we're just like, and I'm speaking for myself, you just kind of say, well, for whatever reason, maybe Kentucky's not recruiting him. Maybe they've moved on. Maybe they went another direction. I don't know. I think it's good he's going to wait this spring because then Calipari can kind of see what happens with Greg Brown, what happens with with somebody, Isaiah Jackson, and then if 
if if we get them, that we don't have to worry about it. And but if we do get them, man, we can go back all in. So, uh, I, but like I said, I think Brown goes to Texas. So I think Jackson. Uh, I think Almarui depended on the other guys, but I do think if they went all in, they'd have a good shot. But and and then obviously JJ Trainer there, and then maybe a grad transfer if the other stuff doesn't work out. But they'll they're one way or another of that combination, they're going to end up with numbers in the post. They'll end up uh, 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 getting the the number and quantity that they want. All right, David, I heard something about a prospect that you're. You know some people pretty well that are around him. Um, do you think that Mosa Sis could be a reclass candidate? I know, you know, we I talk, know a lot of people are considering him a Memphis lock, but I heard some reclass yeah, buzz last week. I know you asked me that, and, and here's the thing, talking to his high school coach, I mean, he's 16. He's young. Yeah. He's not an older kid. So, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about uh, – a kid when he makes that decision uh he could reclass and he's still 16 years old you know if he does that so to me that's uh he just sounded to me like hey he's 16 this is not what you know this is not something that we're going to do now he didn't say that but he really the coach really just reiterated that he's young he's young you know, he's 16, he's young. So hey, I just took that just for granted. Hey, this is not even a reclass candidate, but you know, you never know what these guys are thinking. Yeah. If me answering that question, I am, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. I'm, I'm feeling probably a little bit more confident about Isaiah Jackson than I have in the past. I've, I've always kind of when the, when the Alabama buzz kind of came, I kind of, uh, wrote him off as as a that he he would commit sooner rather than later. Um, so, I, I, but ever, ever since then, I, I'm kind of feeling a little bit better about Kentucky's chances, especially after Calipari went to go visit him in in Michigan. Um, Cliff Omarui, it's kind of interesting. He said that he was going to commit in October this summer. If you if you remember that, he said uh, that that he was going to commit on his birthday, and he ultimately decided that he was going to wait until the spring. So I wonder if that is on Kentucky's end of things, kind of saying, hey, man, we really want you. We'll create space for you, but just give us some time to, you know, kind of let us find some clarity with, with what we're doing in the front court. Um, so that, that – I don't know – I'm sorry. I don't know that there was a player out there that took more unofficial visits in August and September than him. Yeah. He has seen, he has been everywhere and he has seen everybody in the Northeast. All his teams are recruiting seriously. And then he sees all them. He says, I want to wait. It just makes me think that he's like, Hey, that I've seen them. That's, that's just, it doesn't, you know, scratch. It, it just scratch my itch. It's not what I want. I want to see what else is out there. Moving on to Sloan Alley's question, uh, is there a realistic chance that Paolo Banchero is in Kentucky's front court next year? If so, how likely, Travis? Realistic, yeah, but likely, uh, I'd put it like 10% maybe, if that. I honestly don't think he reclassifies. He He's good enough definitely to reclassify. He doesn't need another year of high school, but – I know he wants to play. He wants to be a package deal with Kennedy Chandler, but Kennedy, I don't see 
the thing with that is I don't see Paolo going to Memphis where Chandler, where Chandler is considered a lock. But somebody close to Chandler mm-hmm. said that there was an outside chance that he went to Tennessee. I could see both of them playing there. David? I, I don't think so. Uh, I've just kind of felt like he was a, a 2020 guy all along. and I, I don't know. I guess I've just kind of had it in my mind that he's a West Coast guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess going through the whole Jaden McDaniels thing all over again. <laughs> you, have, so, you have bad flashbacks yeah, of, of dealing yeah, with that recruitment. Yeah, so – I, I just haven't seen him as a as a number one as a re class, but number two a guy that from Seattle that that, that comes east, and I may, I may be totally off on that, but that's just you know kind of where my mindset's at right now. Yeah, I've gotten a sense over the last you know the, this summer he was all Washington. Everything I heard was that you know there was a high major assistant that was actually recruiting that was. One, he was one of the with one of the schools that was actually recruiting Paolo, and he said, "Nah, this kid's going to Washington, no doubt." So, th- there was a lot of pessimism everywhere else other than Washington this summer. Uh, we had him on the Sources Say podcast, um, and what he said, and and kind of what we learned behind the scenes in the conversations immediately prior and immediately following, uh, I kind of got the sense that he wouldn't end up at Washington. I think Gonzaga, maybe he won't leave the state. He'll end up uh, at Gonzaga. But Washington didn't seem as as much of a likely destination um, based on those conversations. Uh, I, I know he got a couple recent picks toward – picks for Kentucky on either Cristobal or, or the future cast. I can't remember which one, but um, those were recent. I like Kentucky's chances actually a lot. Um, I think Duke's going to be there right in the end, but I do think that uh, he's pretty adamant that he's going to be sticking with 2020 or 2021 rather. Um, so we will move on from there. Um, we're going to go with one final question. Cause I, I, I know we've been hanging on for a long time. Um, Mm-mm-mm-mm. We will go with John from Rob N. If you had to put money on it, assuming Askew and Kaminga reclass, who do you, who does UK end up with to finish out the class? Also, is there any word on McCurr Maker? Uh, let's start with McCurr Maker. I'll I'll kind of go with that. Um, he just took a, an official visit to to Howard um, with Josh Christopher, I believe. Um, in, in HBCU, you know, that's that, that's an interesting story, interesting storyline with it. I don't know how realistic it is that he, he ends up there because he is pretty pretty big on branding and he, he's, he knows how much um, the, the Thon maker and Mature maker, um, that process didn't go as well as they wanted. And I think he wants to go to a place where he can brand himself and, and con- he, I think he, he is a blue blood guy if he ever makes it to college. And I think that's a big if. I'd be pretty shocked at this point if he doesn't go overseas, maybe go to a um, a, a place where he can kind of separate himself as a, um, you know, put up a million points a game and, and but still develop, you know, a, a competitive place, not a place where he there there's no pushback on him at all. I think he does, he is the type of person that wants to be pushed. Um, um, what, do, what are you guys thinking on that? I'll keep it short and sweet. I was told that – He's 75% overseas, 25% some Pac-12 school or possibly a Big 12 school. Oregon's another one that has put... They said Oregon, like Arizona State, somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. David? 
I'm going to say 120% overseas. <laughs> Zero uh, confidence in him staying in the States. I, I, I talked to his guardian several times, talked to him in person down in Birmingham at the Adidas Gauntlet, Adidas Nationals in July, and uh, spoke to him. He's always been great this time, the good guy, Ed Smith. And, uh, you know, th- th- they don't shy away from going overseas. Uh, and, uh, one thing that I think that a lot of people need to look for uh, is is how does R.J. Hampton? You know, they were in Memphis um, over the weekend or, or Monday actually uh, to play the Grizzlies, his team out in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does he do? And how does um, um, Lamella Ball do? Mm-hmm. And you know, when Lamel Jonathan Giovanni came out couple of weeks ago and moved LaMelo Ball up to number three in, you know, uh, in, in the NBA draft, in the mock draft. And, you know, Mr. Smith has said it. You know, he's not running away from it. We're going to look and see how they do. What's the success? And other coaches, I mean, other uh, coaches and players and trainers and inner circle people have told me the same thing, uh, that they're going to wait and see how these guys, how they project and yeah, if they can go over there and make seven digits a year, and it can help their draft stock. You know, they're really going to give that a more serious look. Of course, he's international anyway, and he's got family over there, so you know it makes it a natural for him. But you know, when you start talking about guys like Isaiah Todd, like Jalen Suggs, and some of these other ones, you know, people that I've spoke with, they, they're, you know, they they're looking at that because. Um, the question is, can I go overseas and get the same training uh, and my stock go up just like it would if I went to Kentucky or, or Duke or North Carolina or anywhere else? And uh, if LaMelo Ball and RJ both coming there with lottery picks, man, I'll tell you what, you're not only are you going to have to recruit against uh, uh, you know those schools that we mentioned, you're going to have to recruit against them. Sydney 66ers or whatever they're called. So, uh, uh, so I mean, that that's something that's in the future that, that you know, that Kentucky's going to have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And um, to the second part of his question before we get out of here, um, assuming ask you in Kaminga reclass, who does UK end up with to finish out? We kind of talked about the front court prospects uh, that we kind of thought UK would, would end up with, uh, or at least had the best chances with. Are there any others that, that you would put, uh, you know, had to put money on that, that UK lands to go with the, the, the current guys they have right now? Travis, do you think trainers are going to get a Kentucky offer? That situation is so weird because that camp was secretive with me about right after the uh, right after the UK visit. He's uh, he's one of the ones that said Cal's got a plan, but they felt really good leaving the visit. So I think that they're just like Louisville and want to see him in a live in-game setting to really. I think if he exceeds expectations in in a game setting and really stands out. After a mediocre junior season, I think that he'll get offered from both schools. But I think Kentucky's really got to watch their their scholarship numbers because I think you're going to have a lot more return this year than people originally thought. I think Khalil Whitney could be a two year guy. Hot take: I think Khalil Whitney will be a two take two uh, two year guy. I told somebody that earlier as well. I think 
Keon Brooks would be a two-year guy. I Both don't think I, I don't think Keon Brooks will be a two-year guy. I just think I think he's still really weak. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's a weak draft. But um, I think if the scholarships worked out, I mean, I know Cal has a major plan in his mind. I think Kaminga with the John Shire. Did we mention that? Uh-uh. All right. Apparently, I talked to somebody. Uh, Jack talks to people in the Wrens organization. I, I talked to people that know people in the Wrens organization. Somebody told me that when Duke took Jamin Brakefield, that they pretty much told Jonathan Kaminga, look, we got to move on. Uh, we can't be doing this. And I don't know how you do that for arguably the best player in high school basketball. Dumbest for, decision you could for ever For a guy make. that's top 40. Whenever they already have four, they already have three or four forwards, and Mark they lead for Mark Smith or is it Mark Williams? Or Mark, Mark, Williams. Mark Williams. Yeah, Mark Williams. They got Hunter Dickinson coming in on mm-hmm. official visit. Yeah, I think that is just about as dumb a decision as you could possibly make. He is the type of guy that you build your class around. As as much as as high as we've been talking about Cade, I think I think Kaminga is is a guy that is you know, a, a head better than Cade even. So as as much as you want to build your team around Cade and all that, if you if you go all in on, you know, if, if, Kaminga's, if Kaminga becomes an option, he's the guy that you go even more so around, you, you build around. So um, that's definitely something to factor in. I think it's a big mistake. I think that they're just – somebody told me that Coach K is done with the one-and-done game and that he is wanting to build his teams the way that he – got used to building him he as much as he enjoyed having zion um and rj and and cam this past year i think that he uh he's not into the yearly grind of needing to reload an entire roster i think he's getting too old for that uh and i I wouldn't be surprised if if he's doing this knowing that you know jamin breakfield's a two-year guy uh some of the other commitments that they got are definitely two-year guys i'm not i'm i'm really not high on their class at all from immediate standpoint but coach k can develop those guys so yeah that's that's definitely an, a, a, an aspect to keep in mind i think kaminga could be a, a small ball four to factor in i think scotty barnes is a is a dark horse right now i definitely don't th- I, I don't think kentucky is anywhere near the leader right now oh, something I, Something on him real quick. Uh, I talked to somebody that's friends with his friends and his family and him, and he said that – I was asking him about the U.K. buzz, and he said that Florida State is firmly in the lead right now. But he said yeah, – That's what I, I was thinking. I've heard the exact same thing I was going to add that, not from a totally different source. Yeah, I think I think Florida State's one, Oregon's two, and I think uh, you know, Kentucky is – putting themselves in position where uh although the fact that he's wanting to make a commitment here at the end of october and early november definitely doesn't bode well for them maybe something changes on an official visit or whatever but uh it's at least something to keep in mind because calipari did visit him while they were down at montverde seeing Cade, and he said that he's going to schedule an official visit here um sometime soon so uh I, outside of that, I don't know if there's anybody else we didn't we didn't touch on. Uh, and with that, I think we're going to wrap it up right there. Um, you know, before we end it officially, where can fans find you on social media, and uh, where can they find your work? Go ahead, David. Uh, Coach David Sisk uh, on Twitter. 
please follow me. I got to, like I said, I've got these guys are social media moguls. I got to catch up <laughs> with them and uh, also uh, catch illustrated on the rivals network. You can find me on Twitter at Trav underscore graph. You can find my work alongside David's at cats illustrated on the rivals network. And you can listen to my other podcasts on Apple podcasts, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. It's called the cat scan podcast with a K and it is on Twitter at CatScanPod, also with a K. He's got more going on. He reminds me of these guys that they're on uh, with Skip Bayless and Shannon in the morning, and then you see them with, with uh, uh, Colin Calhurd and, and, and then they're on with, with uh, Chris Carter in the afternoon, and they're on all those shows all week. And, you know, that's who he reminds me of. I was of. getting the stink eye from my. Uh, boss at my nine to five electrical job yesterday because i was too busy uh got a text about Cade cunningham and <laughs> posted it on the site i was like priorities man sorry <laughs> um and actually there is one note i need to add at the very end of this show um it's not technically a sponsor but is somebody that uh is has actually partnered with this show uh it is the the crew at bbn vegas uh kentucky is playing two two games out in las vegas this winter one against utah on wednesday wednesday december 18th uh, and then another one three days later against ohio state um they are big fans of the show uh they they want us to let you know that tickets can be purchased for these games at axs.com tmobilearena.com or by calling 888-888-9-AXS-T-I-X that is 888-9-A-X-S-T-I-X <laughs> a tongue twister it, it is uh i am i am going to be representing ksr out in vegas for that trip book my t- tickets this past weekend super excited about it uh where the the ksr i believe tyler thompson is going to be joining me for at least one of the games but i'll be out there uh please buy tickets if you are come come say hi to me uh I, i'd love to uh hang out with you, with you out there uh, and with that uh we will be back next week for another jam-packed sources say podcast we will see you then Let's get it.